from ABC News Radio, KMET 1490 in Southern California. This is Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio with your host, Tyler Jorgensen. Welcome out to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. I am your host, Tyler Jorgensen, and today I have this amazing opportunity to chat with a legend in the entrepreneur and marketing space from the other side of the world. And this is one of the things I absolutely love about technology. It's my nighttime and your daytime, and we get to just talk marketing, doesn't matter what time zone. Welcome out to the show, Kim Barrett. Thank you so much for having me, man. Really appreciate it. So, Kim, you are the founder of Your Social Voice. Your website's yoursocialvoice.com.au. And you're coming to us from Perth, Australia. What is your elevator pitch of what Your Social Voice is and does? Yeah, so our elevator pitch is pretty much we help business owners focus on doing what they do best. So we take their marketing out of their hands. They can focus on helping their clients and just doing what they do. Awesome. Because most of the time, none of us got in business to become accountants, bookkeepers, marketers. Like we all love what we do and want to do that. So I think that's what we should all be focused on. Awesome. And you work with a lot of like expert type businesses. Is that your core group? Yeah, expert businesses in our done for you side of things. And then we also do um, a lot of training. And that's kind of like those, like, we, uh, I don't know if they're the same in America, SMEs, that's small, medium enterprises, those like less than a, like a million dollar turnover. We help a lot of them like install systems into their business as well. Awesome. So how did you land into this? I mean, you've, you've been doing this for like six or seven years or something, right? Yeah. What led you to creating your own firm? Yeah, well, so I've, I've been in... Mark, like doing marketing stuff like 15 years, but as my own business for the last year, about six, seven. So I went through, you know, I went to school through university, always had these little things on the side that I did. And I always thought since I was a little kid, I was going to be a businessman. I was like, that was my goal. I was like, I want to do business and I want to travel and do that sort of stuff. And so I thought I'd have to go to university, get a degree, go work for like a management consulting firm and stuff like that. And um, it didn't really pan out the way that I had thought uh, because they're like, oh, yeah, well, you are one of 6,000 graduates this year. Best of luck. <laughs> and right. There's like 100 grad positions. I'm like, oh, because for me as well, then I was like, well, I don't really care about my grades. I care that I passed. I get my degree and then I want to go. I want to go make money. I want to go work. Right. They're like, oh, well, you only got a uh, distinction or you only got like 60, 70 percent here. I was like, yeah, because I was working full time as well. They're like, oh, well, you know, you didn't do very well in this unit or whatever. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah. So I did a little bit of work and I was like, okay, now I'm just going to go do my own thing. So like since I was, as I said, when I was 15, I started doing marketing online, playing with a few things there. And then I always had these little like side hustles, if you will, as everyone seems to want to call it these days. So right. I had a little side hustle going. And um, you know, the only way that I knew how to promote it was like, well, I still had a full time job. And I was looking for what I wanted to do. And I was like, well, how I can't really go. I'm, I'm always been, I've always been pretty well at connecting with people. And if I want to sell something, speaking to them, speaking to them on the phone is something I've been quite good at. But when I had a job, I was like, I can't do that. Like in the middle of my work day, because my boss will fire me. Because if right. I'm going out there selling my own stuff, if I do some work. So I was like, well, I wonder if I can learn how to sell stuff online. So my brother and I had a, a supplement business and I started figuring out playing with Facebook ads. And I was like, I wonder if I can get people interested and just started, you know, like putting up a few posts in the right hand side of Facebook and playing around with that. And yeah, then they started um, working and people were like buying stuff from me. I was like, oh, this is great. So started uh, selling a few bits and pieces. Then everyone was like, oh, how are you doing this while you're at work? I was like, I just run ads. They're like, oh, do you know how to do that for me? And I'm like, 
sure, yeah, why not? <laughs> I'll give it a go for you. Like the first like right. client I got was um, was actually they my sister and I built a house and then we sold it. And my real estate agent and I was like looking at their fees and I was like it was like about a thousand bucks I think it was at the time their fee was. And I was like, oh, yeah, the fees are all good. I was like, but by the way, I noticed that like, you don't really do anything on social media, do you? They're like, oh, we've been meaning to focus on that. I was like, and I didn't have a business. I was like, that's what my business does. We do social media for people like you. And they're like, oh, really cool. They like signed up with me the next day. And like, so pretty much I didn't have to pay my uh, my fee for selling my house, which was great. Nice. It was uh, <laughs> it was quite nice. But um, ever since then, I've always been like, well, you know, people want this. It's a service that they need. I may as well give it to them. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Uh, it's it's always interesting to talk with other entrepreneurs because a lot of us have similar paths and, and like not the exact same path, but there's a lot of similarities. And so uh, one of my early econ businesses was selling supplements. Oh, nice. One of the biggest things I could say over the last 15 years is that Facebook ads have massively changed. Mm. What would you say, uh, let's say that somebody had done Facebook ads 10 years ago and they showed back up today. What would be the first thing that you would like want to tell them and teach them? Oh, uh, look, just throw everything out the window that, <laughs> that you had from that point in time, right? Because then it was, it was literally like you would put something up, even if it sucked. And I know there's heaps of people that they talk about. It. It's like there used to be the image with like, you'd put just like a girl with red lips or a red dress and people would be like, oh, cool. And they click it. And it doesn't really matter what the actual offering was after that. It was just like nuts because everything was so cheap. And now it's like, oh, you actually got to think about your niche, who you're targeting, how do you convey a message and not like a normal message that you'd have in an email. It's like in a social setting. So if you to go up and interrupt someone at a bar, how would you, you know, change that so you could have that conversation with them, write it nicely and send them to something that's going to be easy enough for them to consume or do without having to run and get their computer. It's like there's so many, because back then as well, everything was on the computer. Right. Right. It was yeah. But now it's all mobile. But it's like, cool, someone could be in the bathroom on their mobile and they see your ad and you're like, you don't want them to like run in to the, from the bathroom to go and try and find their wallet or something. It's going to be like something easy for them to do and take action upon rather than uh, throwing more hurdles in the way. So, so much has changed. And it's like, uh, I did a, an event not long ago and I was showing these people how to use Facebook and they're like, wow, this is really sophisticated, isn't it? And I was like, I was like, I don't think about it because I'm in there every day. But I was like, now I was like, it actually is like in comparison to what things used to look like. And now the dashboards and the reporting and everything, I'm like, it's, yeah. it's a huge beast that's grown. Yeah. I remember when you could just literally like find a random image on Google put a basic headline, not even complicated, just be like, Hey, you yeah. buy this. And yeah. you would sell stuff. And you're like, this is so easy. Yeah. But you know, what's fascinating is what you mentioned about mobile, right? Like I remember watching that pendulum as it was swinging. Okay. It was like 80, 20 desktop to mobile. And then it was 70, 30. And then I swear it just went 70, 30 and flipped completely the other way. Yeah. Where now the majority of content is on, is on mobile. I, I have friends now that don't even own a desktop or a laptop. They do everything off of off their phone and maybe an iPad, which that still blows me away because I'm like I'm the multi monitor type guy. Yeah, but they're not building websites and building ad campaigns. They're they're consumers. Yeah, and so you have to think, okay, the consumer. And I mean, there's sometimes now on a funnel, we'll build the funnel in mobile first, where we used to still build in the editor. It's like no, we open up, we go in mobile mode, and we build there first, and then we say, all right, how do we make this look decent on desktop? Yeah, so I feel like the entire like which one comes first has shifted. So, you know, as you started and said, okay, you went from having one real estate aid kind of client. When did this become real for you that this is like, okay, this is something I'm going to build and it's going to be big. Yeah. I think it was like my, the, 
I didn't really know how it was going to go, but I, I start, I got like a first client and I think they paid me, I think it was like four grand. And then I was like, oh, it's two grand up front and then two grand at the end of the month when you're happy. And that was like, since before then I was charging people like 500 bucks here, like just such like small fees compared to now at the time. And I did that and I literally like held my breath and I was like, he's going to be like, no, that's terrible, get real. And then he's like, cool. So like, can you take credit card details now? And I was like, ah, yeah. And then I, I didn't have a credit card. I didn't know how to process it. it. took me like 24 hours to figure out how to get it. I, I set up, had to set up Stripe straight away and be like, try and process through there. But then I was like, wow, if people were to pay this, like I can, like this is going to work. That was also as well, everyone before that, that had become a customer or a client of mine had come from, oh, I met them. So oh, I just met Tyler. I told Tyler what I did. Great. This came from a Facebook ad and he registered. And I spoke to him and he was like, yeah, cool. So told him about all the stuff that I did. And then he's like, and then I, I told him the price and he was just like, no proposals, no nothing. It was just like, cool. I'm in. I was like, yeah. Okay. So all the stuff I do for people, I can do for myself now. It's got to like, this has got to work and I need more people. And then I just went on a, a bit of a rampage. We grew probably way too fast, too quick, had heaps of staff and then kind of tapered it back down a little bit to more manage manageable levels without me completely stressing and feeling overwhelmed. Like there's the, um, I don't know if you've ever played with, I just found it last night, the face app that you can get where it turns you into like an old man. Oh yeah. Like, so I did that and took a picture of myself and I was like, running a digital agency is easy. Kim, 30 years old. And it's just yeah. like full, that's like a, what I felt like on the inside. I was like, oh, yeah. it's stressful if you do it too. Like, because when things go well, you're just like, this is easy. Like, spend more money on ads, bring in more people. It's like, it's very easy to get lost in the growth aspects of things. And right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, whoa, hang on. I've got like 15 staff. I've got all this stuff going on, all these overheads. Let's bring it back down to, and like, you know, manage it a little bit better, put more systems in place and then kind of rebuild, which has been, yeah, yeah been fun. <laughs> yeah. It's part of it. It's definitely part of it. Right. And it's, uh, you know, you said something that I thought was really interesting. I don't know if you noticed it, but you were like everything that you'd sold at the lower price point were people that you'd met in person. Yeah. But then the first person that was a stranger, you were able to charge them more. And it reminds me of the old adage that no man can be a prophet in his own town. Mm. meaning like the concept is that like when people know you as you were, it's hard for them to accept you as you have become. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that happens a lot of times we're with, with the people that we meet and we, in our day to day, sometimes we ourselves aren't accepting like, Hey, I've grown and become a professional. And so I'm going to now start charging professional rates. But when it's a stranger, we have this amazing ability to say like, I'm going to step into this role and he doesn't, he doesn't know that I'm just, you know, Kim from Perth. I'm Kim from freaking Perth. Right. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it totally changes, but I think that's really neat. And so how did you like, so you started growing and you went from there and you just accelerated. Yeah. What was the first like, Oh crap moment that happened in your agency where you're like, not like, Hey, we're going to scale back, but like, Oh crap, how are we going to navigate this? And how did you navigate it? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have navigated the same way now, probably would have, but so we got this client on board and they were our biggest client ever. So we're charging like eight grand or seven grand a month. And I was like ridiculously happy, but I didn't really scope it out properly at the beginning. And they're like, cool, we want to have X amount of sales. We want to do this, this, and this. And I was like, yeah, easy, done, boom. And then I was like, oh, like this was an e-commerce site with like, and this is not an e-commerce site where someone's like, cool, I sell these things. This is like a stock exchange listed e-commerce site with like, tens of thousands of SKUs and they all wanted everything promoted in the weeks leading up to Christmas. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to sleep. This was like the first December between now and Christmas. Yeah. 
I'm screwed. Like I've got to be working all day, every day. I, I think in one week I set up a thousand different, set up 1000 different ads. So that's not into taking consideration the split test on ad sets or locations and all sorts of stuff. So it was like individual ads, 1000 of them set up. And I was like, this is like, I literally was stressing. I was like, had these like stress marks on my hands. I was like, couldn't sleep. I was just like losing it. And I called up my, um, and I, and I pretty, so I like, I'd fulfilled on what they paid for so far, but it was coming up to where they would renew for the next part. And I was like, I'm just overwhelmed and stressed. And I was like, this is terrible. And then I called up one of my mentors and I was like, this is the situation. I'm so stressed, not sleeping. Couldn't eat. I've got this stress stuff going on. And he's like, why don't you just fire them? <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, why don't you just fire the client? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, just tell them you don't want to work with them anymore. And I was like, I can do that. He's like, yeah, like it's equal. Like you work with them, they work with you. Like you can always say like, I'm ceasing now our work together now. Thank you very much. And he's like, look, and you know, don't leave them like a a great principle, if you will, from Jay Abraham that he always taught me, which is preeminence, right? So it's like always doing the best thing for the client, even if it's not working with you. So I was like, okay, well, I feel bad if I just said it's like their busiest time and it's like, cool. See you later. So I was like, who do I know? I knew a few people doing really good in e-com, some like quite big names. So I messaged them and I go, look, I've got a client for you potentially that um, I'd love to be able to hand over. I can't work with them because it's just too stressful for me at the moment with the size of my agency. And they were like, oh, look, you know, we, um, I think they thought that I was like going to refer them to like a thousand dollar a month. They're like making a thousand dollars in sales. They're like, oh, look, we don't really work with anyone that's doing less than two million dollars turnover. I was like, that's cool. These guys are doing like nearly 50 million a year. Can I send them to? They're like, oh, yeah, okay, you can send them to us. Like, no worries. So I managed to hand them off, spoke to the client, and the client actually made it was weird. It was the weirdest feeling because the client's like, why should we let you let us go? Right. And I was like, what? It doesn't really make sense, but they're like, Oh, like we've done a lot of work explaining our business to you. Like, why should we let you let us go? And I was like, Yeah, and it's true. They've invested time as yeah. well, right? Yeah, and I was like, that's not really how this works. I was like, you're not letting me let you go. I was like, like, I was like, I'm not gonna do like you want to keep growing, right? And they're like, Yeah, I was like, I'm not in the position right now with the team and staff that I have to do that for you. So I found someone who can probably work at the same price I am, if not a little bit less, and give you a better result because they've got a bigger team and they only do e-commerce, they don't do anything else. So they're going to be most ideal for you. And then like, oh, okay, cool. So then I connected them up and it was happy days. And then I could have a stress-free Christmas. By that time, I was like, it was so stressful. Yeah. And it always come back to us. We, I think we, a lot of the time, we forget. And it's like, we don't have to work with any one client. And we don't have to do, like, if, if something does not work, it's actually better in all parties' parts to go, look, this is not working. We're going to have to cease this relationship. But also go, cool, like, I, I, I want you to be successful anyone that I come into contact with, I want them to be successful. Let me connect you up with someone else that's going to love you even more. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I like that the client was like, what do you mean? Like, why should we let you go? That's, uh, yeah. (laughs) But so here's the question. You said you're not sure if that's how you would handle it now. Yeah. So now that you're a little bit more seasoned, your agency's a little bigger, how would you handle it today? Well, I, I probably would have handled it better from the start, right? So I probably wouldn't have let myself get into the same predicament. I would have, I like now we do much more scoping, but now I'm also, and it's like I train people on this a lot. It's like I'm very specific about who we will work with. Like I know every time I've made an exception to that rule now, it's hit in my face. Every time I've I've done that, it's, it's literally been the worst experience possible. 
right? So I now know it's like, cool. I scope it at the start and it doesn't matter. Like they could give me a, a million dollars a month, but if it falls outside of the scope of what I normally do, where I know I can get people killer results, I have to say no. Otherwise, it's like now that I know this, like when I do my scoping at the beginning, like already I know that our agency is really, really good for consultants, for lead gen, for filling events, for filling webinars, whatever it might be, that side of things. When people come in there in e-commerce, there's a few that I will take if I know that I can do a really good job and I know the niche. But otherwise, I'm like, oh, should I? Then I look at it and I'm like, no, e-commerce number one is like, if there's three red flags, yeah. like, the amount they spend, the, the size of the campaigns yeah. and stuff, then I'm like, nah, then I've got to pass them to someone else. So to be honest, this year I probably made more money for other people by sending them referrals uh, sometimes than I feel we do in some months because um, I just go, look, I can't lie. Yeah, but, if I take them on. But that's fair because right, there is more business out there than your agency should ever handle. And so you should, if you're marketing well, you should be handing off probably more than you're closing, right? If there's that many people coming to you. And so I recently went through a similar thing where I was like, man, I'm helping anyone because you know the principles. So you know you can help them. But what I found is, man, like I'm an e-commerce guy. That's what we do. And so our niche is that, right? And it's the same thing. Some, oh, I could help this guy. I could do it. But that's not what we're going to crush. So like I'm done, mm-hmm. I'm done playing the base hit game or like done doing okay work. Like, well, let's play big. So what I heard once that uh, it's just as important to mark out exclusions as it is inclusions into scoping work. What are some of the big suggestions and tips that you have for uh, scoping out a project for a client? Well, I think like a lot of the time you don't get the full picture. And the biggest scoping that I reckon anyone can do, and it's probably the most boring and the least sexy is actual numbers, right? And looking at the financial projections of things. Because a lot of the times... Like people will know front end numbers like, yeah, man, I get leads for this or I get, you know, as to car for this price or whatever. And it's like, cool. What is your like cost of goods? What's the breakdown? What's your percentage profit? What's all this stuff? And it's like, when you start going into that, you find that a lot of the time people don't know those numbers, which also means like if you were just on the front end going, oh yeah, cool. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. And you look at it. They like, unless you have a strict understanding of the numbers and you go, cool, based on the numbers you give me, this is what I see that we can do for you. Like, if you don't set the parameters of the expectations at the very beginning, which when you are a new in business or you're like early stages, sometimes you don't do it and you just forget. And you're like, oh, we're just going to do this for you. Right. They're like, yeah, great, do it. Then they get unhappy. But I had a, literally had a client and we had set targets. He just launched on Friday. We've already exceeded the lead target. The sales and conversation target is what's coming next. He's like, oh, we've only had two bookings and both the bookings did a no-show. He's like, not a good start. And I was like, yes, in that key area. However, we've also quartered your front-end lead cost. So if you convert like you say you do, happy days. And then he's like, oh, yeah, forgot about that. And it's like, you know, because sometimes it's it's easy when something doesn't work, everyone, like, it's very hard unless you've trained yourself to do it. I accept ownership of that mistake. Everyone's going to be like, it's your fault. Well, like it's someone it's, else's. It's funny how in sales, especially like lead gen, they know if they're generating the leads, they know they're not going to close 100% of them. And they know they're going to have a percentage yeah. of no-shows. But when it's new and you're doing it, they're now like, okay, show me the best. But you have to yeah. get to a point where it's statistically significant, where you actually have enough data to say, okay, is this better or worse? Don't freak out over the first couple. Yeah. And one of the things we I've noticed with clients is, 
there is a honeymoon phase in both the emotion, but there's also a honeymoon phase from like the learning, right? Like it takes time to really get in the groove. What have you found are some ways for you to really accelerate that process of getting on the same page with clients? So there's a um, great book that I really love, which is um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willing. So it's an epic book. But in there, he has several things, which is about like, I think the only times that people feel, especially when I'm talking more so in, the, in this world of doing funnels for people, ads for people, et cetera, is then if there's no communication on something. I find that generally speaking, if you can speak to someone and keep them updated with things, you can overcome any problem. As long as it's not like, oh, we spent a million dollars and you made zero, right? right? That's not a very conversation. But if it's in the realm of going, cool, uh, we've been doing this, we've been testing this, this didn't work, so we're doing this instead. A lot of the time, I think if something goes wrong, most, again, it's, it's hard unless you are training yourself to take extreme ownership and go, hey, this isn't working, but we know it's not working. And so we're doing this to test and adjust, the, right. adjust from it, right? When you tell people that, they're like, ah, oh, cool, I feel like I'm... Like I need certainty and security in what's happening, especially at the beginning, especially if they've just handed over several thousand dollars. They're like, what's going on? You know? So I think that for me, the biggest thing that I found is just that over communication of things. I'd rather them go, Hey, cool. Now guys, that's cool. 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 You've got it. You've got it. Like don't have to send us like, we're literally, we have, you know, we use Slack as our communication channel. So it's like, we drop in updates. We have weekly reports. We send everything for approval. We do all these things. And they're like, some of them are like, uh, cool. Um, like even one of our clients is like, yeah, cool. I don't want weekly reports. I'm good. Tell me if anything goes slow and you need anything from me. Otherwise, just rock it. Yeah, but, uh, but you can right. do that once you've set that pattern and, and gotten that feedback from them, right? If you start out the gate exactly. without, without telling them what's up, they're going to have unknown and panic and uncertainty and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and that's why at the beginning I knew, I was like, cool, we've got to over-communicate with them. So then they go, actually, look, uh, like now I know that you guys have got it. I'm good and I don't. Some clients still want it. Some clients yeah. still want to almost have a call every single day. Right. You know, depending on wherever they are at. But most of the time, it's like we can overcome that hurdle and go, cool, let's just like when we give them what they want in abundance, which most of the time is security and certainty. And they just want to know that they're being looked after and cared for. Do that as much as you can in the beginning. Yeah. And if you set the stage right there, it's works perfectly. But also just make sure that you go, cool, I set the parameters of my communication. So don't be messaging me midnight on Saturday, right? about things like I, if you're in the u.s kind of sometimes i get it because we have different time zones and people forget that's cool sure. but if i get bombarded with stuff on a saturday night or a sunday night i'm like cool received thank you be back to you first thing on monday yep. morning unless it's something that's yeah like, but cool. and that's one of those things where you have to keep adjusting the feedback right hey it's received but i'll tell you when now you've mentioned a couple of things about mentors like you had some mentors to call and then i know that you've also mentored some other people you know, I won't ask the general how important are mentors, but tell me a little bit about how you found mentors or somebody to kind of like help you along and, you know, some ways that that, that was able to really help your business move forward. For sure. So for me, it's always been, I've had obviously many informal mentors, which would be like people I just listen to their stuff and I read their stuff and that, and that kind of influences me and my behavior. Right. The more formal mentors have always for me been guys that I've sit down and go, look, I'm going to pay you for your time. Like I know it's going to like it cost me, but I need help in this area. So I'm willing to pay for it. And pretty much at any one point in time, I'll have one to two mentors that I'm paying for. And look, and sometimes I don't speak to them. I don't watch their stuff. I don't do anything. But then there's a week where I'm like, cool, you know, uh, we're up, up the creek without a paddle at the moment. How do we like, what do I do here? How do I move things forward? How do I adjust things? Because it's very hard sometimes to read the label when you're inside the bottle. Yeah. And, go, and then they're just like, just do that. And you're like, yeah, oh, cool. 
thank you. Boom. And then just like, and that's worth, you know, like a hundred thousand dollars of stress-free time. Yeah. Like literally with my, with my mental being able to tell me just fire them. <laughs> that literally to me pretty much like, I don't know that like save my sleeping, save yeah. my probably the Your holiday, everything. Holiday. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. It's like Santa Claus. Right. <laughs> so you've been growing it for like six, seven years. Things are going well. What are your big goals? Like, where do you want to take your social voice? Yeah, definitely. Like we still, we definitely want to grow our, there's a few things that we want to do. I'm not allowed to say yet, which are really cool. So we do want to grow our dumb few side of yep. things. And it's only because um, some of the stuff is not, hopefully you'll have me back when I get a little sorted and I can tell you more about it. That's a deal. Um, which would be cool. I can tell you off air anyway. Yeah. So we've got a lot of stuff. Where we, we do want to grow our, our dumb few side of things. We're also really focused on growing our training side of things. One thing that I've done poorly and sucked at is building community around what we do. And after, I think it was the first time I met you at Funnel Hacking Live probably two years ago now. Yep. When I see everything, I'm like, oh, like everyone has these communities and this support stuff around them. And most of the stuff we're doing is done for you. Right. So really everyone's siloed. It's like, could we work with this client? They don't know who our other clients are. There's no interaction or anything like that. So when we came back, I had a heavy focus on turning our mobile system into more of a community we did our first live event this year. We're doing a live event next awesome. year. And, you know, we reckon that we can, you know, probably double or triple our revenues, you know, take us to two, $3 million a year by adding in these other avenues of support and community. And since we started doing it, like the testimonials we're getting are amazing. Like the feedback from the community is amazing. Oh. We feel great. And it's like, and, but it's also, it's leverageable. It's like, it's much easier for us to leverage that side of things, then going cool. On our dumb view side, it's like cool. I need another ten people to like triple or quadruple our revenue. I look at people that have their big agencies and they got thirty plus staff. I'm like, I remember what it was like at even half that amount of staff. And I'm sure they've got the right systems to manage it. But for me, I'm like, that was stressful. So if I can grow and not have to grow my cost base, but still grow our revenues and our impact, they're the avenues that we're looking down over the next like two three years. That's awesome. So for me, business is all about creating the life that you want, right? Like you highlighted it with your Christmas story, right? If you're running a business that takes away from your life, what's the point? So what's one major item on your personal bucket list that you're going to accomplish in the next 12 months? Ooh, good one. Personal bucket list. Look, I probably will. I said I wasn't going to, but I probably will compete again in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu blue belt and I competed a couple of times. I just got started getting back down to training and it's kind of like sparking my, uh, my competitive edge again. Right. So I'd love to get back to at least get into like comp level of ability yeah. again. So if I wanted to, I could compete. So that's on my personal bucket list for the next 12 months is to get back up to there. I love that. And so we're going to wrap up the interview here. Please go to yoursocialvoice.com.au and also follow Kim on Instagram at realkimbarrett. Really appreciate you coming out, Kim. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, all my biz ninjas, wherever you're tuning in, remember that it's your turn to go out and do something. Thank you for listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio with Tyler Jorgensen. Please make sure to subscribe so you're first to hear new interviews and episodes. If you found this podcast to be valuable, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to visit our online dojo at bizninja.com to claim your reward for listening to the show.